set, go. Ready, set, go. Woo. Oh boy. <laughs> We're here. We're here. Um, oh my God, my voice. Hi. <laughs> I'm just so hoarse all the time now. This is me. This mm. is me now. You just got a really sexy like vocal fry that like, everyone really loves. I'm just gonna like. It's, it's like super sexy. It's like I've heard so the guys really like it. <laughs> You're right. I was talking to my coworker today, and I was like, "She was like, no, like your voice is like doing that cute thing where it's like raspy." And I was like, "What do you mean, like when I talk down here like this? You mean when I talk like this? <laughs> it's so nice when I'm a bass, right? <laughs> <laughs> guys love this. <laughs> like, I have a lower voice than they do. Sexy, <laughs> Um, so who are you? Who are we? What are we doing? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm Emily. I'm not Emily, so. Yeah, so there. Um, <laughs> we're Millennial Poet Society. We are, and I'm Marguerite. And <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. So we're Millennial Poet Society. We talk about poetry and our lives, and we talk about our voices and we're drinking wine. And we're drinking wine. Cheers. Cheers. We are drinking. Um, we're drinking. Damiani. A, yeah, Damiani Dry Riesling, Davis Vineyard Dry Riesling, which is from the Davis Vineyard. Vineyard is <laughs> the vineyard. A what year? I grew up on. The vineyard. The vineyard. Um, that I grew up on. I grew up on a fruit farm in upstate New York. And... Um, we grew grapes. You sure did. And some of those grapes are in this wine that we're drinking. You were there in 2013, though. You were in college. Well, I was there for part of 2013. I mean, like, summer. on and off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, and I honestly, I don't know how I ended up with a 2013 bottle of white wine. Because normally. That's old. Yeah. I'm, it must be one that I took from my parents' basement. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, but it's super interesting because it's, like, super golden. It's got this, like, super golden color to yeah. it. And it's, like, the taste is a little bit different. Like it's It just, is. It's very rich. It's richer than. But it's not, and not like, as crisp as, like, a normal Riesling yeah, would be. But it's really nice. It's, it's very nice. It's Yeah. I like it. I decided I wanted to have some wine because I cooked some salmon and asparagus for dinner. Some asparagus. Oh my um. goodness. Um, yeah, it's very good. It's like a almost a Chardonnay color. In terms of color. In terms of color, not yeah. in terms of taste. I don't fucking get near me with a Chardonnay. Like, Dear Lord. I no. hate it. Um, um, except for that one that your uncle let us try. The um the barrel aged one. Oh yeah. I was really into that. I um it was still really buttery, but like I personally really like um, steel fermented Chardonnays. Okay. They're super crisp mm -hmm. because they don't. A lot of the times, the butteriness comes from it aging in the oak, and it goes through at least partial malolactic fermentation, mm -hmm. um, which you know, lactic acid yeah. is what's in like milk and everything. So it's going through malolactic fermentation, and so that's where it gets that like buttery rich people say like popcorn or mm -hmm. that sort of thing flavor yeah. um <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm not a fan but this riesling is super delicious yeah. and um we enjoy our wine here one bottle equals two glasses right yeah that's our that's it's our a holiday pour 
Yeah. It's fine. Okay, exactly. so our fridge isn't tall enough for us to put an open bottle in there without it, like, being on its sides. Right. So you got to drink so, all of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and who needs friends when you have roommates? And Because we're not friends. Well. We're only roommates. <laughs> that's exactly Strictly roommates. <laughs> that's our new, that's the new name of the podcast. Strictly roommates. Strictly roommates. That makes it sound like... <laughs> Like what? Like I hate you or something. <laughs> I don't hate you. No, We're just thanks. strictly roommates. I don't hate you either. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so uh, on this podcast, as you can see, we bullshit a lot and we talk about poetry. Did you say we shed a lot? We bullshit a lot. <laughs> it sounded like you said we both shed a lot. Oh, yeah. We both shed a lot. I was like, what? That is funny. It would sound like that. It did. <laughs> Delilah's <laughs> under my bed. She's having a grand old time. She's adorable. I'm looking forward to her and I having some good bonding time when I'm out here this weekend because my sister and her boyfriend are staying over. Yeah. Um, they're going to get to meet her. Yeah, they're very excited. I can't wait. Yay. I what? got to hang out with Joey, Princess Joey, you this did. weekend. That's right. Yeah. Not a ton, though. I wasn't home. I was home for like a little over 24 hours. Right, exactly. But speaking of wine and everything, I was at my uncle's harvest party this weekend, um, which was super, super fun. Yeah, I was at my uncle's harvest party this weekend. And hilariously, did I tell you this? So the guy that I rode up next to, uh, so I got on, I ended up like getting to the bus a lot later than I meant to. Mm. Um, and then I ended up sitting next to this guy on the bus. He was nice and like whatever. And I hate sitting next to people on the long bus rides. The bus was like completely packed though. It's the worst. But so I was sitting next to this guy and we were like, he was a good like seat buddy, whatever. He like um, uh, helped me plug in my charger when I needed to and whatever. So we, and we were just, we didn't like talk that much. It was just sort of like, hey, how are you? Like whatever. Right. And then I'm at my uncle's party. So I'm at my uncle's house in mm -hmm. the barn where mm -hmm. the bands are playing and everything. Mm -hmm. This guy was like really tall. Mm -hmm. And uh and so I'm standing there and I look over and I'm like, what the fuck? No way. I sat next to you on the way up here. So I like, he was like on his phone or something and I like tapped him and he like looked at me and I was like, were you, was I sitting next to you on the bus? He was like, oh my God. Get out of he here. like ran away and then he came back and he's like, what? He's like, who do you know here? I was like, this is my uncle's barn. Who do you know Yeah, here? like what are you doing on yeah. my property? And like, he knows, he knows a winemaker that like works with them. That's and amazing. he just happened to go up there. But he's. Um, like a fashion designer. He's a menswear designer for Express. Get out and of I here. And I was like, casual. Do you want to like hang out? Yeah, yeah. It was super funny. And he was like, yeah, I like put some camo on to try to blend in. Oh my God. I was God. like, yeah, I'm wearing my fake Timberlands. It's great. <laughs> I'm from upstate. Yeah. Um, no, but it was super fun. I danced until two in the morning. Uh, oh, I was like just literally sore. The best and night. And so sweaty. And it was so much fun. Um... And then I rolled up the hill to my house and slept and then got on the bus and here I am back Great. here. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, we're happy to have you back and Thank you. glad you had a good weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I think we should probably get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Yes. What do you think? Real quick before we get started, I just want to mention, as we always do, that we are um, looking for your submissions for our Who's to Say episodes. 
please email them to millennialpoetssociety at gmail.com. You can find that email address uh, on our Instagram page. Search for MPS underscore podcast on Instagram, or you can find the email in the show notes under this episode or on our Facebook page. Um, Who's to say episodes are many episodes where we feature unpublished or self-published poets. Uh, we do a little like 10, sometimes 20 minute long episode where we feature your work and do a little bio and everything. So send that on over so we can talk about you and share your awesome work. You <laughs> so can we can share talk it. about you. Yeah, you can share it anonymously if you want or not anonymously. We share our work and we hope you guys love it and um, we want to share more of yours. So send that on over. We love to hear the feedback that we get from other people's work as well and our own. I mean, that's always fun. But like, mm-hmm. it's really fun to see like the comments on episodes or the the feedback we get from people that listen, just, um, you know, DM to us or something being like, oh, I loved this person's work or this person inspired me to put in my poetry. And it's always really cool. I think it's it's a great little community that we have. And I, I, yeah. I love our little listenership and, and all the beautiful stuff they send in so if you're new here send us your stuff we mm-hmm. want to hear it yeah and we can't wait to share it yeah uh all right so we're on episode 34 which means i go first right it is your turn my turn and we are still continuing my series of doing native american poets yes. uh, for the month of november and today we're gonna i'm gonna talk about someone there wasn't a super big bio about her on um either the poetry foundation or like wikipedia and i just didn't find a lot about her when i was googling her which she is a modern poet but i think it also just again speaks to the fact that she is from like a minority population and so there's just not as much information about her and she's not as well known as she should be so we're going to talk about her now Yay! So, this is Gladys Cardiff. Hmm. She was born uh, 1942. Um, she is of Irish and Welsh. Welsh. Mm. <laughs> Irish and Welsh. Irish and Welsh. You know what they Irish, say. <laughs> Irish and Welsh um, descent. descent on her mother's side. And on her father's side, uh, he was of the Eastern Band of Cherokee, the Owl Clan specifically. And she is also a member of that uh, that tribe. So she was born in Browning, Montana, but she grew up in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. She uh, received her MFA from the University of Washington, where she studied with Theodore Retke. (gasps) Theodore Retke! Remember that fun guy? He comes up so much. Yeah? Yeah, like in all of our, like, multiple episodes, he's been like, and this guy was best friends with him, or this person studied with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Popular guy. So, um, so yeah, she studied with him and then she got her PhD in literature from Western Michigan University. Uh, her collections are To Frighten a Storm, published in 1976, and it also won the Washington State Governor's First Book Award. Mm. And, um, A Bare Unpainted Table is the name of the other one, published okay. in 1999. Uh, her pub, her poems have also been anthologized in From the Belly of the Shark, Carriers of the Dream Wheel, Songs from from This Earth and the Turtle's Back, Harper's Anthology of 20th Century Native American Poetry, and Reinventing the en- Enemy's Language. Hmm. She has also received prizes from the Seattle Arts Commission and currently teaches at Oakland University in Michigan. Oakland University. 
That's their new song. <laughs> You're yes. welcome, Oakland. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> so that is what I have about her. Cool. Um, that's it. Yeah. So we're going to read two of her poems because I don't have that much information on her. Great. And also she just seems like a cool person that we should share more of her work up from. Uh, share more of her work. Yep. Just. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, Grammar is important and sometimes we know how to use it. <laughs> it's fine. Wine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Don't like sneeze into yours. Blow your nose into your wine. <laughs> um, so the first poem we're going to read is from uh, To Frighten a Storm. And it is called Prayer to Fix the Affections. Mm-hmm. Oh, ancient one, your web hangs down from the pines. I am of the owl clan. I have been to water. My dress is of red clay. He moves at the edge of you. Binds us with your threads. The center of his soul shall be my soul's center. Our paths shall be white forever. Where we move, the paths from every direction shall recognize each other. We are one never to be parted. That's lovely. Isn't it? Wow. Yeah. It's just some nice, like, natural imagery. I love the the colors that she talks about, like red clay Mm -hmm. and the white path. And, um, and all of that. It's just a nice, I just feel like it's a nice sort of sweet love poem, but in a style that's, it's, it's like uniquely Native American. And there's a lot of strength in it too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, it's something that's relatable. You read it and you're like, oh yeah, I I get that. That's something that Mm -hmm. I still understand, even though it's from a certain perspective or um, that sort of thing. Uh, and then this next one, I really like, um, just cause it reminds me sort of of, growing up and yeah talk about it but it's called combing and it is also from to frighten a storm bending i bow my head and lay my hands upon her hair combing and think how women do this for each other my daughter's hair curls against the comb wet and fragrant orange pairings her face downcast is quiet for one so young i take her place Beneath my mother's hands, I feel the braids drawn up tight as piano wires singing, vinegar rinsed. Sitting before the oven, I hear the orange coils tick the early hour before school. She combed her grandmother Matilda's hair using the comb made out of using a comb made out of bone. Matilda rocked her oak wood chair, her face downcast, intent on tearing rags in strips to braid a cotton rug from bits of orange and brown. A simple act, preparing hair. Something women do for each other, plating the generations. Oh, that's so lovely. I really like it. And like I said, it re- so it reminds me of like growing up and having my mom do my hair. And like mm-hmm. she always braided my hair. And now I know how to braid and I braid all my friends' hair. Do, but-, but like that's <laughs> exactly what I thought of. Like mm-hmm. my mom didn't know how to braid I mean like she would do my hair I'm sure when I was younger Mm -hmm. I don't have any like really poignant memories Mm -hmm. of her doing my hair yeah um but I can but I have that with you and like with my friends of like now I know how to do some simple braids but Mm -hmm. like coming to somebody and asking them like hey will you 
touch my head. Like, yeah, when you like braid it's, my hair. Right. Like, it's yeah. very, it's kind of intimate. Mm-hmm. And um, I think growing up in the theater too, I got really used to having a lot of people like touching my face to help me do makeup mm-hmm. and touching my hair to help me put it in pin curls or yeah. do the style for the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And got really used to um, and loved that feeling of like, that care that somebody was putting yeah. into your appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, we care for each other in so many beautiful ways. Um, and sometimes it's it's okay and it's, it's actually this really lovely thing that yeah. we can do yeah. to put a little time into somebody else's appearance to be mm-hmm. like, oh, look, I'm, I'm giving you a little gift of my time right. to help you feel better mm-hmm. and like more connected. And yeah, I just yeah. think that's it's so special. Right. And it's just a nice way to sort of be able to spend time together. It's like you're standing there. Someone's, you're just sitting there. You can't move. They're right. doing your hair or you, right. you're doing their hair, that sort of thing. And so it's like just a time to be together and either talk or just like be comfortable being quiet mm-hmm. together. And yeah, like it's something that my mom did for me and I look forward to being able to do hopefully someday for like any daughter that I have or hey, son, if he wants his right. hair braided. Of course. I feel like, I, like I think I braided my brother's hair at some point, Philip. Philip, because he like, really he's such a hair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he used to, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it's so special. And I think that's something that's like kind of universal mm-hmm. because of the whole like, oh, let me sit and like go to my hairdresser and yeah. we'll talk and we'll, right. and like that sort of stereotype of the mm-hmm. Gabby hairdresser or like salon ladies you right. know um but it has some truth and like mm-hmm. that is a, such an intimate thing that like you're staring at each other in a mirror right for however many hours yeah. you might as well talk and get to know each other mm-hmm. and see what you have in common because you're going to be back in six weeks you know yeah. like it's <laughs> or a year or a year you know <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> I actually need to text my hairdresser and see if I can get my haircut while I'm home at Christmas <laughs> Side note. Hey, um, <laughs> if anybody has any hair recommendations in New York City, yeah. hit me up because my place is way too expensive for all I want them to do is cut my hair. That's so. why I'm like, I'm going to get it cut when I'm at home and yeah. pay like literally a fifth of what I pay I here in New York City. I know. And I don't trust any of the hairdressers in my hometown to do that. So. No. My hairdressers cut my hair since I was five. Back home. I... It was... I mean, I used to go to like the JC Pennies and mm. to get my hair cut when I was a kid. Yeah. And then on the on like a if I was really in a hurry, we'd go yeah. to Walmart and like mm-hmm. go to like the sheer cut or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like sometimes I would go to a salon, but mm-hmm. like it was like a one-off kind of yeah. thing. Like I never really I maybe went to the same salon two maybe three times really and it was high school that's crazy um at least that I can remember I mean Mm -hmm. and I liked the place and it's still there but like it was very basic and like not exactly what I wanted ever Mm -hmm. and like they couldn't style it the way I wanted it yeah and so I and I really love my hairdresser that I've been to here the past two times yeah um but I want or three times now but I want to not pay 200 bucks just to get right. like an inch cut off mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. give me hair care recommendations and yeah. uh <coughs> stylists all right so um on that note we'll take a quick break mm-hmm. where I can ponder my dead ends and uh we'll be right back we'll be back <laughs> Amanda saying hi. hi to the cat in the background 
<laughs> She's so funny. Oh, I think okay. she was saying hi to her sister, not the cat. Regardless, anyway. it's really, it's really funny. Hi. <laughs> okay. Hi. Are we back? We're back. Boom, baby. Ready, set, go. All right, back with round two. Back at it again. Damn, Damn Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> back at it again with the white bands. All right. And scene. All right. So um, I'm doing a kind of cool thing. I got this new poetry book when we moved in. Mm -hmm. um, and I have had it on the shelf and I hadn't read it. And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to open it up and read it. Yeah. And I bought it because I was like, it's a book about, it's a book with poems about being a woman. And okay. I was like, cool, I'm, you know, all into feminism and being I'm a woman. I'm one of those. I'm a woman. <laughs> I can relate. Um, and so I was like, oh, I bet there's some really good authors in here. Turns out we've done a lot of them already. Hmm. Um, but some of them that we haven't. Yes. Right? But some of them that we haven't, I wanted to showcase. Cool. So I'm doing two of them today. And then I think Yay. maybe maybe I'll do some more in the future. Mm -hmm. Um Probably not going to make it like a segment, but yeah. So anyway, these are two poets I found in this book of selected poems about being a woman, and the book is called "There Are Girls Like Lions." The first poet I'm going to do today is Elizabeth Hewer. There's not much available about this poet. Um, she's young, um, but her words are really powerful. So I didn't want to not use her this week. Sure. Um, on her Google Books page, it states, Elizabeth Hewer is a poet from Southwest England. Over the course of her life, she has, at various stages, wanted to be a dolphin trainer, a lawyer, <laughs> a veterinarian, a poet, and a princess. And that's her full bio. Like, that's it. I love it. <laughs> on her Tumblr, it says, uh, she says, quote, I have had poems published in Iperion Review, twice in Ology Journal, the Rising Phoenix Review, Doll, House, Doll Hospital Journal, two poems in Hypertrophic liter Literary, and I contributed to the SVP Tarot Collection. I have also had a piece of flash fiction published in Ellipsis Zines 2. Uh, she has a YA manuscript in the works called Cliff Edge. The manuscript received, received honorable mention in the 2017 Bath Spa MAWYP United Agents Prize. Um, and she has also published one collection of poetry called Wishing for Birds, and that was published in 2015. In the collection of 50 poems, Hewer ponders love and the world while tackling the inexplicable desires and dangers that thread through our daily lives. At times hopeful, on all things, oh, at times hopeful, at times despairing, her poems ruminate on all things we come up against, even if, on occasion, it's only ourselves. Hmm. The book was described by critics as beautiful, powerful, and poignant. So I'm going to read her poem tonight, today, um, Here Are Girls Like Lions. It's the title poem of this collection, and it's the first poem in the book. Hmm. Here are girls like lions. Here are girls like howling wolves. Here are girls with such big teeth. 
Here are girls who will play tug-of-war with your heart or your wishbone or your throat. Oh, here are girls with cold, bright eyes and claws like dragons. Here are girls who can't breathe air, only fire. Here are girls who carry kindness and katanas in their rucksacks because they never know which one they'll need. How do you tame girls with wildfire limbs? How do you hold down girls with hurricane hands? Oh, you can't, humble hungerer. You've just got to help them rise. Mm. I love it. That's really cool. I love it. It's so powerful and it's clever mm -hmm. and I like the simplicity in it. Yeah. The rep re repetitive line of here are girls is um, sort of takes back the label of girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I when I first saw this book, I went, I really wish this book was called There Are Women Like Lions. Right. But like after reading the poem, I'm like, oh no, she's like praising this thing that we are mm -hmm. and using the label as power instead of as like, oh, like, oh girls. girls, you're so weak. Oh, girls, yeah. you're young. Oh, yeah. girls, you're little. I mean, that's what I try to be really conscious not to say girls when I'm right. talking about someone, especially like, like it's, it's really hard for me to call people my same age women versus girls right but i'm like that's what we are but i'm like, a woman I'm and a i woman. call myself a woman so yeah. readily that i haven't referred to myself as a girl mm -hmm. like in a long time right you know but when i'm like talking about someone my age and being like right. oh, oh yeah there's, there's the this girl at work yeah there's this girl at work yeah, it's exactly what mm -hmm. I say. Versus saying this, this woman at work. And I, I, I don't know what the cutoff is in mm -hmm. my head. Like who, what, what age group or what power set of skills do they need to have in order to be a woman versus right. a girl in my head. But it needs to stop. And I mm -hmm. know that's something I need to recognize. So um, reading this poem was kind of a flip of that to be like, mm -hmm. oh, no, like I'm allowed to identify however I want, and there's power in that, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I really liked that poem. Um, but like I said, there's there's really not much about her, um, mm -hmm. Elizabeth Hewer, but she's really great. A lot of her other poems are just as poignant and strong. Um, she's got really great language, use of language in her poems, so check her out. Love it. If you can. Very cool. Um, but the next poem I want, poet I want to do is Nikki Giovanni. And Sounds so familiar. She is a very famous poet. African-American poet. That's, okay, yep. Um, I've come across her, like, different times yeah. when I've been looking for She's yeah. amazing. Um, so I can't wait to tell you more about her. Nikki Giovanni was born Yolanda Cornelia Giovanni Jr. on June 7th, 1943, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Nikki is an American poet, writer, commentator, activist, and educator. She's one of the most well-known African-American poets, her work includes poetry anthologies, poetry recordings, and nonfiction essays. Her writing covers topics ranging from race and social issues to children's literature. She started, where many aspiring writers do, by self-publishing her first volume, Black Feelings, Black Talk, in 1968. Giovanni is the younger of two daughters in a close-knit family, um, and actually it was her sister who gave her the nickname Nikki. Hmm. 
Um, we don't really know why because none of her names have anything to do with Nikki, but mm-hmm. Nikki was what stuck. That's funny. Um, she gained an, an intense appreciation for African-American culture and heritage from her grandmother, explaining in an interview, quote, I come from a long line of storytellers. Mm-hmm. This early exposure to the power of spoken language influenced Giovanni's career as a poet, particularly her sophisticated use, use of vernacular speech. Um, soon after her birth, the Giovanni family moved to Cincinnati, like, mm. I think within the first, like, year or two of her yeah. being born. Um, so they moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, where her parents were teachers. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they moved to Wyoming in 1948. But Nikki moved back to Knoxville in 1958 to live with her grandparents and attend Austin High School. Okay. She was admitted early to Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee, but was expelled um, by the former dean of women for failing to acquire approval to leave campus over Thanksgiving break. (laughs) So, rule breaker. Yeah. Um, but she was readmitted under a new dean in 1964. Good. So <laughs> like, she what? went back. She good. Um, while back at Fisk, she edited a student literary journal. She reinstated the campus chapter of Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC. Hmm. And uh, she published essays in Negro Digest on gender questions in the movement. Hmm. In 1967, she graduated with honors with a BA in history. And after her grandmother died, she moved to New York, where she briefly attended Columbia University and privately published Black Feelings, Black Thoughts. Okay. Her first published volumes of poetry grew out of her response to the assassinations of such figures as Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, and Robert Kennedy, and the pressing need she saw to raise awareness of the plight and the rights of black people. In 1969... Giovanni started teaching at Rutgers University. So she graduated in 67, mm-hmm. got a job as a professor in 1969 yeah. uh, at Rutgers University, and she was an active yeah. <laughs> uh, she was an active member of the black arts movement during this time as well. She also, within her first year of working at Rutgers, mm-hmm. had her first child. Thomas Watson Giovanni. Mm. Um, The focus of her work shifted after the birth of her son, and she made several recordings of her poetry at that time um, set against gospel or jazz backdrop music, which is really cool. Yeah. In 1970, she began making regular appearances on the television program Soul, with an exclamation point. Hmm. Um, And the Soul! (laughs) Soul! (laughs) This was an entertainment variety talk show which promoted black art and culture and allowed political expression. Nice. Very important at that time, especially. Yeah, yeah. She also published her third collection, Regarding Creation, in 1970, and it quickly established Giovanni as a prominent new voice in African-American literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since 1987, Giovanni has taught writing and literature at Virginia Tech, where she is a university distinguished professor. Interesting fact that I found out, um, as you may remember, on April 16th, 2007, 32 people were murdered on the Virginia Tech campus mm-hmm. where senior Sung Hui Choi opened fired on the university. I don't know that I'm pronouncing his name right, but honestly, I don't care that much. No. So, uh, yeah. a student opened fired on the university's campus. Um, Cho was a student of Giovanni's. 
Oh, wow. Which was really painful. She had described him as mean and menacing and approached the department chair to have Cho taken out of her class. Mm. She said that she was willing to resign rather than continue teaching him. Wow. Um, Giovanni was then asked by the school's president at the time to give a convocation speech at the April 17th memorial service. So she was asked at like 5 p.m. on the 16th, the day of the shooting. Mm -hmm. And so she had less than a day to like write this speech. And she was like, normally I'm fine giving speeches, but I was really worried that I was going to, my my feelings would give me away and that yeah. I wouldn't be able to write it or like get through it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, she um, her speech ended up being a really memorable, poignant moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended with a chant poem in uh, stating, quote, We know we did nothing to deserve it, but neither does a child in Africa dying of AIDS. Neither do the invisible children walking the night awake to avoid being captured by rogue armies. Neither does a baby elephant watching his community being devastated for ivory. Neither does the Mexican child looking for fresh water. We are Virginia Tech. We will prevail. Hmm. She received the NAACP Image Award several times. I think seven total. Wow. Um, Received 20 honorary doctorates. Let me say that again. 20. That's, wow. Honorary doctorates. What the heck? Yeah. And various other awards, which some of them will come up later, but, like, there's so many of them. Wow. Um, some of them were the Rosa Parks and Langston Hughes Award for Distinguished Contributions to the Arts and Letters. Mm-hmm. Giovanni also holds the keys to over a dozen cities. To have school. Including Dallas, Miami, New York City, and Los Angeles. Oh, my God. Like, casual. So cool. In addition to her work for adults, Giovanni broadened her audience to a younger demographic with her books Spin a Soft Black Song, Ego Tripping, and Other Poems for Young People, and Vacation Time, as well as many more. Throughout the 70s and 80s, Giovanni's popularity as a speaker and lecturer increased, along with her success as a poet and children's author. She received numerous awards for her work, including... Honors from the National Council of Negro Women and the National Association of Radio and Television Announcers, which I didn't know was a thing. That's cute. In 1999, Giovanni published Blues for All the Changes after her battle with lung cancer, which she fucking survived. Wow. It was her first collection in five years, and it was a huge hit. Some of her recent works include Bicycles, Love Poems in 2009, and Chasing Utopia, a hybrid, in 2013. The latter blends poetry and prose to continually remind us of what's important, the connections we develop with those we love. Giovanni once wrote, Writing is what I do to justify the air I breathe. I have been considered a writer who writes from rage, and it confuses me. What else do writers write from? A poem has to say something. It has to make some sort of sense, be lyrical to the point, and still able to be read by whatever reader is kind enough to pick up the book. Hmm. I love that quote. Yeah. Um, so like I said, she won so many awards and wrote so many novel- so many books, yeah. um, was publishing anthologies and editing things, doing recordings of her poetry. Right. I'm not going to list them all here. Listeners, do yourself a favor. Look her up. Mm-hmm. She's got tons of great, really, rel- like, 
um, really uh, relatable work that is yeah. just lovely to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really just scratching the surface with her right now. Yeah. There's so much more I could talk about. But I'm going to read you a book, uh, a, a whole book. I'm going to read Alec. you a poem. This is the last poem in this book. And it's called Ego Tripping. There may be a reason why. Okay. That's the full yeah. title. Yeah, Ego Tripping. Quote, or uh, parenthesis, there may be a reason why. Mm. I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center giving divine, perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne, drinking nectar with Allah. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara Desert with a packet of goat's meat and change of clothes. I crossed it in two hours. I am a gazelle so swift So swift you can't catch me. For a birthday present when he was three, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. Hmm. My strength flows ever on. My son Noah built new ark, and I stood proudly at the helm. And we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself and was Jesus. Men intone my loving name, all praises, all praises. I am the one who would save. I sowed diamonds in my backyard. My bowels deliver uranium. The filling from my filings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, even my errors are correct. I sailed west to reach east and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned and gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal. I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky. Wow. I love it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to cry. It's so beautiful and moving Mm -hmm. and when you think about it from just a woman's just a woman when you think about it from a human woman's standpoint Mm -hmm. feeling all of that history and all of that power and all of that just racing in your veins and knowing that you're part of this huge world and Mm -hmm. and accepting that it is part of your history right to have built pyramids and mm-hmm. and reigned over continents and just been this like mm-hmm. huge presence and to accept that about yourself yeah. to like honor the fact that you have the blood of queens inside you mm-hmm. is like it's it's mind-boggling and i and i just think that it gives it just gives so much strength and i love that that poem came from a children's book that she wrote that it's 
it's the kind of message she wants to give to a younger generation. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of message that everybody should hear. Right. But to start that off young, to right. especially for the, the African-American community and mm -hmm. to like have that strong voice of like, you are a black queen. You yeah. are of the earth. Like you were born mm -hmm. for greatness just right. by being born. Mm -hmm. um, that is so wild and rare and like, radical and important for people to hear exactly yeah. and I just I just get so moved when I hear it and I remember reading that poem in the bookstore and being like oh I have to get this book mm -hmm. like I have to know yeah and and I had never known about Nikki Giovanni really like I knew her name but I never read any of her work yeah and so for that to be like my intro to her, I was like, yeah. how perfect that she writes this for a younger audience. Uh -huh. I am such a novice when it comes to poetry and her work in particular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just very moving. And I just, I love it. I think it gives me like, it gives me a fire yeah. to read it and read those words. And right. I love it. Very cool. So yeah. Wow. Those are my two poems for Thank this week. You. And I hope you like them. I loved them. Great. <laughs> you should read the book. It's really good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> glad it's here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it from us. Um, mm -hmm. As always, we want to give a quick shout out to Zach Adkins for our intro and outro music. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, at the bottom of our show notes of this episode, you will see a link that you can click on and it will take you to a support page where you can donate as little as 99 cents a month. Less than a dollar a month. You know what that is? Dollar, dollar menu, menu. donation. <laughs> it's amazing. And those donations, like we always say, go to getting us new microphones, getting us a better space to record, having somebody else publish or publish, um, having someone else edit our podcast so that Marguerite doesn't have to. Mm. Um, especially with the holidays coming up. It's just like super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, a little bit goes a long way with that, and we thank everybody that has helped us out so far. Yeah. And as always, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. You can follow us along on uh, Instagram, uh, check us out on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, give us a subscribe on your favorite listening platform, and stay up to date with all of our upcoming stuff. And yes, it's, it's just, it's really fun. You're going to love it, I promise. <laughs> We're fun. <laughs> I'm fun. We're fun. This is fun. Have a fun time. Have like a fun time. Have a fun weekend. How much vocal fry can I use to say fun? Fun. It's like fun. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. <laughs> fun.